The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, episode 57. Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we gotta do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Indeed. I say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous. But this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Barazzini, and you're listening to The Secret of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings, and, hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate TV series, movies, and more. And joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. Howdy, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. All right, and today we're discussing the 15th episode of Season 3, Pretense. Uh, you have a nice little uh, summary for this episode, Victor? I... I do. I have a little summary for this uh, nice little episode here. <laughs> As the episode opens, two ghoul motherships are chasing down a death glider, but suddenly the ghoul motherships explode and the death glider crashes. And inside it, a bunch of peasants standing out in their field, they find Skara. Um, and meanwhile, back on Earth, Nareem the Tolan sends Schrodinger the cat through the iris as a show of good faith. So they let him into the SG-1. And uh, the SGC, and they say that SG-1 is needed back on the Tolan homeworld for the trial of a time, I mean, the trial of a system lord. <laughs> and on the Tolan version, which, which, which gets us back into another episode of Space Court. Oh, but yeah. on uh, Talana, the judges and Archon, I think, or, or the, uh, the lawyers are called Archons. The, the you know, two contestants are called Seekers. And the part of the Golden Snitch is played by Lord Zipakna, an ultra campy Gould. <laughs> and the trial uh, is to decide who gets control of Skara's body. Is it Skara or the uh, Gould which possesses him? Chlorel. Things are not uh, all as they seem on Talana, however, unless they seem inestimably dull, in which case they are exactly as they seem. As Lord Zipakna manages to disable the Tolan's ion cannons, which is what shot down the Gould motherships uh, in the teaser, and suddenly Talana is under attack from another m- mothership. But before that, the Archons decide in favor of Skara. Uh, you know, so you know how that wraps up. Uh, fortunately, Teal'c, though, wasn't born yesterday, and with the help of Raya the Nox, has hidden one lonely ion cannon from the Gould, which Teal'c commandeers and then blasts the mothership out of the sky. In the end, the Tok'ra remo- show up and remove Chlorel from Skara, and everyone is happy the end. That's a nice little wrap-up right there. Except got, the Gould. Uh, they're not happy. Yeah. You, you forgot well, the Gould weren't happy. I've got my uh, Schrodinger right here who refuses yeah. to not attack my uh, microphone stand, so... Just like that. Uh, yep. <laughs> Time to exactly. send him through the iris. Yep. Going to throw her through that. Uh, what are your thoughts on this episode, Father? It was a trial episode. No, excuse me, Victor. It was not a trial of a system lord. It was a triad of a system lord. Get the terms right. <laughs> That's it's right. exactly Tri- the same thing, except it includes the Knox as an independent observer who gives the final vote of three because reasons. It was a it was a trial episode with actually kind of the halfway decent. The goal the Gwald are basically trying to attack the the Tolan yeah. homeworld, which by the way you notice the Tolan homeworld is the same exact place that the uh, Cylons used to start the war 
with the colonies. Yes. Yeah. It also features prominently in an episode of Andromeda, as does one of the guest stars on this on this episode. I, I can't remember what uni- university, but it's a university in in uh, Vancouver that's known for being its uh, oh uh, Simon Fraser University in Burnaby, which is just outside of Van Vancouver, and it's just known for its modern art, so or modern architecture. I will say also they have a fantastic uh, bagpipe band. Uh, the Simon Fraser University pipe band has uh, placed highly in the uh, World Bagpipe Championships, so. If you like bagpipes, SFU. There you go. <laughs> I can't say. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. I can't say piping would have made this episode any better. Don't think it would have made it any, any less interesting. <laughs> I mean, we could always use the more. We could always do with more bagpipes. I mean. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They don't so, feature. I mean, a Scottish. Well, long story short, this was an episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will say the one thing I liked about this episode was when they talked about talked to the Tolan about like, hey, you guys just built your own Stargate and the Tolan are kind of like, yeah, we did. Like, it's not a big deal. And you kind of see it in the background. You don't really see it up close, but it was cool to see a non like ancient Stargate that was constructed mm-hmm. and it was a different design. Like it was a lot thinner. So maybe it was like the cool, modern, well, sleek, updated Stargate. But it was well, cool smaller to see, too. Yeah, it was cool to see a modern Stargate, even if like kind of in the background. Yeah, yeah, one of only I think two that you see in the in like across all the series. But I could be mistaken. Mm, nice. Yeah, so it's a uh, the Scara trial, and we get this meathead who's the representative of the. Uh, the gold and well, yeah, I kind of I question the gold judgment on sending that dude to be their representative, but with, I don't know. He yeah. had the he had the sneer. He had the sneer down. He I did. mean, you, you couldn't get a better sneer. You know, Tim Tim Curry called and said, "Hey man, tone down the camp a little bit. This is totally unrealistic." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. a little bit. I mean, he, he's such a superior being, you know, that, that he doesn't even need to be, you know, use things, silly things like logic and reason. He just says, I'm smarter and better than all of you, so just, I win. Well, I mean, it was a credible argument, at least. It's like, you guys eat animals, right? And they're lower beings, but, and so we think, we think you're a lower being, so we just use you like you guys use animals, so, haha. And then, you know, Daniel gets to make the argument. It's like, well, you're actually not any better than us because you stole all the technology you're, says the humans who are using the ancient you're, you're actually to lower. explore the galaxy. Yeah. 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 My principal issue with this episode is that nobody's arguments are really good. Like, yeah. obviously, we, yeah. we side with the humans and we side with Skara, but everyone's argument well, really kind of stems from the same place of a relativistic kind of like who is where on the hierarchy. Like, there's no, like, natural law kind of that's discussed in here. I mean, there's, there is the whole he owned it first argument. That's probably the best argument because, yeah. you know, like he was born into that body yeah. or conceived into that body anyways. So it's like it was his first and they didn't ask. Carell right. didn't ask. Hey, can I take you over your body now? So he stole well, it. Possession is nine tenths of the law, right? So sure. I mean, there, there is a good eminent domain argument that, you know, Scar wasn't <laughs> using his body to its full potential. The Goulds couldn't help <laughs> him realize that. I don't know. But I think... I mean, obviously, the main the main story point in this, and it's uh, you know a character we haven't talked about to this point, 
uh, who's not involved really with the trial at all. And that's Nareem who gets completely friend zoned by Samantha Carter in this in like the most <laughs> hilariously epic way possible. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, you know, I was like a year and a half ago, I was like, you know, taken over by Atokra. And because of that, I just don't think I can, you know, you're nice and I hope we can be friends. But, you know, I just don't think I can like date anybody right now. Besides, so. besides there's this, this Tokra that I kind of like because my symbiote liked him, liked him too. So, I mean... <laughs> yeah, but uh, it, it beats, I guess, you know, I'm washing my hair, like, on Saturday or something. But, <laughs> nice. but oh, my gosh, the Tolans are so boring. I mean, full of like, themselves. yeah, I mean, but there's a way to be full of yourself and, like, entertaining rather than just, like, completely detached and, like, making everybody think you're on Thorazine or something. I don't know. It's... I feel like the Tolan are kind of the Amish version of those that species from uh, Next Generation, the ones who were going to kill Wesley for walking on the grass. They're mm. kind of like, if those aliens were prudes, that would be the Tolan. Yeah. But with better technology, because the, Tol- the Tolans have much smarter, much better technology than we do. True, but you got to think at a certain point, better technology leads to beige and boring interiors. Like, where do you want to be? I kind of want the... Uh, uh, Flintstones like car where you're running around. I go with that <laughs> over what the Tolan have going on. Yeah, I did like their technology that like disables the uh, you know the humans' firearms. Like it disables all weaponry when they go through like the special arch, and you actually hear like a click. Mm-hmm. And our nine year old who's watching is like, "Wait, so how did they disable that firearm? Did they like disable the firing pin or something or the bolt?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's probably what they did." The bolt. Well, you tra- like, Jack yeah. tries to rack it back. And yeah. Won't, won't move. Now, of course, my question is: all weapons? Yeah, like, like say knives, clubs, because that gun can still be used as a club and works very legend, well yeah. as a club. You know. <laughs> yeah, like you can take out an AR-15 with that. Does it also take out a flintlock? Like, how does it work? Is it since your intent with the device and then disable it from there? Like. There's a lot of leeway. Oh, they know all. They know all weapons, and they basically say that it works with all weapons, including pocket sand. Apparently, (laughs) 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 so. But um, I had to laugh because uh, the the judge or whatever whatever the space court name is in this episode. Uh, who acts completely like detached and stoned the entire episode is played by uh, Marie Stillen. Um, and we were watching this, uh, you know, in the evening and, and turn this off, literally turned on an episode of Andromeda and she was playing the exact same role as the judge in space court. <laughs> and she was giving the exact same performance of like, you know, completely flat monotone detached. And then it turned out her character was literally a robot. Nice. Oh, that's funny. And, uh, yeah. So at least in that show, they, they had an excuse, but I mean, uh, the Tolans are the worst. I'm glad we only see them, I think, one or two more times. And then they get wiped out. Oh, spoilers. Yep. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, well, of course. She looked very familiar, but apparently she's an episode of uh, X-Files, and she's also in Sliders. So she's kind of, she's sliders. made the rounds in uh, the 90s TV sci-fi, so. Yeah. And, and then she kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. I think she's still alive, but. You, you look at, like, her IMDb page, and there's really not a lot known about her. She's kept under the radar, you know? Yeah. She's not like some of them where you, you know, 
you know, wh- wh- when were they born and where were they born and where did they live and what did they have for breakfast and what are they planning for supper and, you know, stuff like that. All the interesting Not details, her. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's... Uh, oh, boy, yeah, so much going on in this episode. Teal'c saves the day. Yep. Yeah, he pretty much does. Like, he points out rather obviously that the Gould are up to no good or up to no Gould, as we should say. Oh, yeah. Um, Started making trouble in the neighborhood. Yeah. And it's all the whole, the whole, uh, moral crux of the episode is really should Scar get his body back or should Corel, uh, Chlorel have, have control over it. And really to me, like, I, I understand like these kind of dilemmas are interesting and especially in like a sci-fi context, but overall, like Scar is the original owner of the body and Chlorel <laughs> is a parasite. So it's, it doesn't seem that complicated to me. I know they kind of try to play that up a bit, but you know, well, they, they do the whole death penalty thing. Well, you, you know, if you take Chlor- Chlorel out of his body then he's gonna die it's like well maybe if you find a host that's willing to be a host i mean that's a novel idea yeah the the tokra seem to be doing pretty good job of that you know maybe you guys could consider that as well but yeah as as you said jack the important legal issues here really aren't resolved so i don't know if this could be used as precedent in other cases or not it just seems kind of like i don't know like a one-off you know and the the penumbras and emanations of of the law yeah it's more of a political Thing, I think at this point, but yeah, yeah, it, the knocks are a lot more chatty this time around, too. They're not talking in riddles and being like, You're young, and so you must like go into the woods. She's like, you know, complete sentences and stuff with Teal, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's nice to see that. Um, I do wonder with the uh, Tolan, like, they're so dense, you wonder mm-hmm. how they got to the technological point that they were. Same thing with the uh the Nox, like you get these alien species and this is kind of like a, like a trope in science fiction where you get these species who are so enlightened that they don't really understand like conflict and hurting each other or backstabbing people or all this stuff. And it's like from an evolutionary standpoint, not even talking about it from like a moral standpoint, the people who are the most crafty who can take advantage of others are the ones who are going to end up on top. And that's not saying that they're the most morally, they're like, they're not in the moral high ground, but that they're going to end up on top. That's just how that works out. So you, I have a hard time believing that you're going to get these species who are super highly advanced where they don't understand like backstabbing and lying and being crafty. And they also you know, have the, advanced yeah. technology. Like, with the with the Knox, I've always felt that they're more like, yeah, we're just above all this anyways, so whatever, take your best shot. We'll we'll get past it. We don't care. Yeah. You know? They yeah. they, they understand it, they know it, and they're just like, eh, whatever. Tolan are just yeah. dumb for as intelligent yeah. as they are. They're just dumb. I mean, the Gual couldn't possibly take out all of our ion cannons at once despite getting precise GPS coordinates of each of them. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, the 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 Nox I see is kind of like you know the Vulcans. You know, they may have had like a uh, like a violent past, and maybe all the other Nox are still the scheming violent ones. And these are just like the three hippies that live on the edge of town. But um, the Tolan, yeah, it's 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 the Tolan are basically you know 
post-Christian Western civilization that has just gotten so comfortable resting on the, you know, the achievements of its past and, you know, have no clue about, you know, the actual workings of, you know, the cosmos and stuff. But, and it is, yeah, I mean, it's not possible that they could take out all the canons because as uh, the nitpickers on the internet note, you know, the, the ion blasts in the beginning come from all over the planet and yet Zapakna's Gould are just, uh, you know, painting the ones within like maybe a three block radius around the college campus there. They do only yeah. have to get the ones that are, you know, on that side of the planet because you that's know, they, true. Yeah. The other ones by the time, you know, they could be gone by the time they come around to actually get in firing position. But still, yeah, it's well, you know, the toll at least they've got their their prime directive, you know, and it, it's just as uh, immoral uh, or not immoral, but, you know, Philosophically questionable, as Spock says in the Q&A short tracks. <laughs> I've always wanted to write like a story about an officer who's like a high ranking officer in a federation like organization in the future who realizes that even though he's on the side of enlightenment and spreading peace throughout the galaxy, they're really the evil empire who's kind of oppressing everyone else by homogenizing everyone. Which is also the Empire, <laughs> the Star Trek, Star Wars Empire, the, the Star Wars, the Star Trek Federation. When you really think about it, like as much as I love Star Trek, you kind of, you kind of got to see it that way from another point of view. Um, there, there yeah, is, there, there are arguments online that uh, that the Federation is actually malevolent, not benevolent. You can, you know, find them on YouTube or whatever. That is but. actually what uh, Joss Whedon based the Alliance on in. Firefly. Oh, wow. Yeah. The Alliance is the Federation from the point of view of people who are not in the Federation, which makes sense. That's cool. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Anyways, back to Stargate. Yeah, it's... uh, you can hear more about Star Star Trek from Secrets of Star Trek and more about Star Wars from Secrets of Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) But the one thing they don't have on Star Trek is a cool vest that lets a ghouled... uh, host assert their will and speak for themselves apparently like yeah and apparently like gives the host priority over the gould like it doesn't seem like chlorel like really had much of a chance to speak up it was always set to you know scara yeah but i don't know he's a gold he he doesn't care as long as he gets his time to to you know be dismissive and superior superior intellect type person you know he doesn't care the funny thing is, like, that's really a integral technology to what everything they've been dealing with. Like, what they really should have done was tried to find a Share and just dump her on this planet and then gone through this whole process again, and she would have been okay. Like, I know the Tok'ra or the Tolan are very hesitant to share their technology, but really everything the SGC should be doing is focusing on, like, reverse engineering everything that Tolan have, and that kind of solves all their Gould problems. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jack doesn't... Yeah, Jack doesn't let up on on the Tolan technology. Yeah. And and trying to acquire that. But um, one piece of Tolan technology I do like is, like, how they can make pendants so quickly that have, like, the symbols of the two kind of, like, you know, parties involved in the court case. Because if you notice in the hallways, there were pendants that had, like, the Tauri you know, home symbol and then like the Gould uh, system Lord symbol on it. So I thought that was nice that they would roll those out, you know, for their guests. 
made me think of a, I don't know if y'all remember this, this is probably more my generation than y'all's, but in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was this thing called the Metal Machine Maker, where you'd pour in like the mixture and it would make, you could like, it was this machine called the Metal Machine Maker and you'd make like your different figurines and you could make like wizards and dragons and stuff and it was just like an alloy like thing where you'd pour in the mixture and it would solidify and you could get like these different figurines out of it and that's kind of what made me think about cool. i guess it's so that's yeah pre pre 3d printing pre 3d huh? printing yeah but yeah. <laughs> but but post post creepy crawlies which is what they had in the 60s and 70s which were you would pour like this rubberized plastic yeah. into like you know molds of like spiders and snakes and you can make them all different colors and then in the commercials they had like the brother like torturing his sister with the uh, creepy crawlies yeah, this was like the late 90s version of that so yeah, i don't remember seeing that that's funny so I wanted one as a kid, and my parents would not give me one, but it was cool nonetheless. But yeah, I guess they can, uh, with their technology, they can fabricate whatever they want. But it's funny that they went to those lengths. You could probably buy your own crucible now with like a propane torch and then some lead ingots and make whatever you want. Sure. Yeah. Or a 3D no, I mean, your parents aren't here to tell you what to do. Yeah. <laughs> Are they, though? Are they though? Yes, they, they're never far. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, what do y'all think about the resolution of the whole moral conundrum here? Like, I like this. I like the resolution to the Gould conflict because it was, you know, Teal just said like, forget this whole court case thing. It's only going to end one way. Made a deal with the Knox, hid the cannon, unhid the cannon and because he'd observed you know the the tolan like punching in their their access code suddenly knew how to fire it yeah and then we get this really cool tracking shot of like an ion blast yep um and i don't know how fast they're supposed to move like going up to the gold mothership and then like boom so i like that part but like the resolution to the space court was was kind of unsatisfying it was uh hey we have this amount of time to figure it out and here you go yeah i i kind of felt the same way like it's an interesting problem intellectually, but they didn't really give it the time it deserved. And I almost feel like the B plot of the Gould are going to secretly attack your planet and destroy you. So therefore you're obviously going to side with the good guys kind of mm -hmm. undercut a lot of that. And I would have rather that time been devoted to the actual central question, but I understand where you need a uh, wrap up where it's going to be both sides are kind of going to go their separate ways. Like Chlorel gets to go with the gold and Scar gets to go back to Abydos. But I don't know. It felt very uh, like they, well, they had to wrap it up too quickly. Well, that's then, of course, the whole idea that they had to be represented by members of the species. So, yeah. you know, Scar had to be represented by humans and or asked to be represented by by Jack and the, and the SG-1 and uh, the gold had to be represented by a gold mm -hmm. but and you know that that kind of set that up if they had done it where both sides were represented by you know members of the tolan or something like that then it, then it would it could have turned out very different but i like how the tolan when they're talking about their whole triad system like when they're setting up who can speak for whom and scara says can uh both jack and daniel be my uh archons or whatever they're called they're like mm -hmm. sure whatever it's like what what kind of procedures going on here who does what like it's very 
loosely defined and like the term triad refers to like a grouping of three but you end up getting a like five in this whole thing so i don't know i honestly don't think that there had ever been a triad before this one and that they were making it up as they went along i think think they just like completely made it up on the fly and were just like yeah let's have a triad and you can be archons and seekers and yeah. So there's these shows that we watched yeah. from that that, yeah. that Earth that shows how to do these trials. Well, let's do it like that. But of course, we're we're better than those humans. So let's do it as a triad instead. There's there's, there's a three, Trek yeah. and it's a the, vote. Yeah, there's a Star Trek episode called "The Return of the Archons," and so therefore, yeah, <laughs> the we do get some great uh, Catherine Power uh, sci-fi dialogue in this one too. Like lots of people jumping up and saying, "Like your eminence, direct your viewer to the orbital observatory," and things yeah. like that. So, yeah. lots of like, uh, yeah, it is highly yeah. inappropriate to that you would come to me during triad. Yeah, you know, things that are well, just you get the cool, delightful. you know, clear screen, you know, kind of like you know Star Trek Discovery where it's got the projection on it, you know. So, I mean, that's the sets were good. <laughs> I will give them that. Like, it was a cool, a cool setting, and. Maybe I'm misjudging how much they money they spent on it, but it seems like they put effort into that uh, triad room. I guess it's not really a, a mm-hmm. trial room, but you know, whatever. You get water. You get water in the you know the little uh, conference rooms or whatever. It's kind of cool, you know. Little yeah. Of course, then you fall in the water and then you uh, blame it on someone else and you kill the koi fish and all that, but. Yeah, that's from the office. So, yeah. <laughs> I also liked how the when the Tokra show up and you know take out the ghoul, they dress Skara up in Tokra clothes. Mm-hmm. It's like completely unnecessary. It's like hey, you just you know we're gonna put you in these. You know, choice. Well, get out of those rags. Yeah, yeah. Get get out of those uh, gawled garbage. Yeah. Yeah, I liked. Uh, I can't remember the gold's name, but. His posturing, yes, Spockna. Like, yes. I just liked his uh, his posturing. That was fun to see. Like the gold, like I know they're villains, but I kind of I love them because they're just so over the top. Like they're in, they're they're fun. Like they're they're oh, villains, yeah. but they're fun. So I don't know. I like them. We do get a few more fun gold and stuff. I mean, Anubis himself isn't that much fun, but. Around Ball. him, we get we get some fun. Ball, yeah, and then the um, oh, I forget, I forget his name, but uh, the one who likes to eat a lot, the Baron Harkonnen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes. Now, now we should mention though that when the ships blow up, there's like absolutely no debris whatsoever. They just like incinerate. I did notice that. So you get that initial shot where the ships both explode and you got your uh, death glider flying off and it's nothing it's the same thing with uh you get that in star wars and star trek like you get these massive pieces of architecture and like metallurgy exploding exploding just all over the place and they vaporize into sparks and so yep you can head cannon that as like well the antimatter explosion vaporizes the actual physical particles and so it's not actually going to hit anything but I kind of you know 
I always thought maybe their hulls are made out of magnesium or sodium or something. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Melt away. <laughs> yeah. I would have liked to see, and we didn't actually see this, but in the uh, ninth episode of the Star Wars movies, where they go back to Endor, and you have like the chunks of the uh, Death Star on the planet, I would have liked to see like the Ewoks being super angry that our entire forest has been like decimated and burned away because of all this <laughs> burning debris that fell upon our planet. And how dare the rebels do this to us? Like that would have been a, that would have been a much more interesting movie than we actually got. Wub nub. I kind of forgot that Wub-nub. that even happened in that movie. I forgot. I, Cause I kind of blanked out that movie. <laughs> I kind of blanked out that entire trilogy. So yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, do y'all have any other, uh, thoughts about this uh fantastic space court episode we got a better episode coming up next week awesome oh what's coming up next week ergo ergo so that's 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 what i have to say about this episode that's that's what i have to say about this episode the next episode is much better so who's who's mary steerbergen (laughs) what about you victor uh oh about this episode <laughs> just just i love the brutal friend zoning of like nareem yeah like that's gonna like that'll just make me smile well that's, until my you know i'm 80s and i'm almost that, dead that, i'm just gonna think about that moment burn. that was epic yeah. burn i mean she did so nice let him down so nicely but he, he was still more in flames than the gold ships i love it there, yeah exactly <laughs> she's standing there on the edge of that pot and he's like hey you you wanted to see me and she's like yeah i need something from you and he's just like okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> can't have a relationship with anyone until i'm sure whose feelings i'm feeling <laughs> yeah pretty like much a... <laughs> yeah yeah all right, and uh, before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secret of Stargate, including Eric M., Nicole W., Steve C., Giles C., and Sharon W. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secret of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give, and be sure to follow... The show in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate or to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash stargate. You can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia. And be sure to join us on our Discord at sqpn.com slash discord. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, Ergo. Until then, Father Corey, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Stargate. Thank you, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack, and remember to stay away from Zippy and his gaggle of goulds. I'll be sure to remember that. <laughs> and once again, I'm Jack Berzini. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Stargate on StarQuest. I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think? <laughs>